we're very glad today to welcome you. When you're in Southern California, please come join us at 100 West Duarte Road, Arcadia. We have great meetings here on Tuesday nights and also Saturday morning. So when you're next in Southern California, come join us at 100 West Duarte Road, Arcadia, California. You take the 210, then you go south on Santa Anita. You go down about a mile or so, then take a right into Duarte Road. We're very hard to miss with a large white building up on the left-hand side of the of the road. Today I'm going to talk to you about one of the most important subjects that you can grasp and comprehend in today's world, and that is the Jews in the news, Israel in Bible prophecy. Millions of people across this great land and around the world believe that events that are taking place today in the Middle East are a direct fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Is it so? So the topic today, Israel and Bible prophecy. But before I speak on this subject, I'm delighted to have somebody else come and speak. And that is my friend and my wife, Beverly. Would you please welcome her today? Commitment, a word that many have forgotten today. The dictionary tells us it means to do or to perform. It's an active word, not a passive one. Commitment is giving everything we have and a little bit more. It's different to the no worse than anyone else syndrome, which we need to shun. Pulling no punches and telling it like it is, Tom Peters exhorted a group of corporate executives toward excellence. After an hour or two, unable to restrain himself any longer, an irritated executive interrupted Peters to voice his dissatisfaction with the message. I am sick and tired of hearing all this stuff on excellence, he blurted. Our company is no worse than anyone else's. Well, just imagine having that motto hanging over your company's door, or worse still, even over the church door. We're no worse than anyone else. Let me tell you about some people who thought very differently to that. They were committed to doing their best. What happens when an unemployed Westinghouse worker who is committed to providing a reading service? He was turned down by various publishers he and his wife put their ideas into a little magazine. At the time of their death, DeWitt and Lila Wallace enjoyed over 100 million readers. Their Reader's Digest became a phenomenal publishing success story. They believed that uncommon commitment allows common people to produce uncommon results. I like that, don't you? According to a 1986 issue of Boardroom Reports, a splendid philosophy of excellence is described in Toyota's basic management handbook. Toyota believes and preaches the only accepted quality percentage is 100%. Every car must be manufactured exactly according to the specifications. 
excellence is not a sometimes affair, they say. It is a way of life. Every person in the organization must be committed to go beyond the good enough syndrome and think 100% quality in every facet of the organization. And no wonder they're one of the leading car manufacturers in the world. Another person who had that same philosophy was Florence Nightingale, who nominated herself to accept the challenge of up upgrading hospital standards, improving patient care, enhancing sanitation, and promoting nursing education. The efforts of this English woman transformed hospitals from a place where people die to a place of hope and healing. These common people made uncommon commitments to produce uncommon results. Dear friends, let's not be satisfied with living a mediocre life. As committed Christians, let us, be, let us make a difference in our part of the world. For I truly believe this, that all can do something. Would you repeat that with me, please? All can do something. I heard that over 30 years ago by a preacher in Australia, and I've never forgotten it. We can all be members of the Welcome Committee, the Cheer Up Committee, the Working Committee. If we want something big and wonderful to happen in our church and in our community, then it's up to you and to me to make it happen. Remember, in the Christian's Commitment Pledge, there's no loopholes, no bailout provisions, and no parachute clauses. A wise man once said to another whose actions didn't harmonize with his words, what you are sounds so loud in my ears, I cannot hear what you are saying. It's not enough just to talk the walk, but we must walk the talk. In the movie, Left Behind, there's an opening sequence of all of these great jets coming down from the north. It's all done very well. And the jets are about to blast Israel off the map. But as the jets come in, and the Israeli Air Force tries to get aloft, they find out that they can't get aloft. Somebody has betrayed Israel. Looks like Israel is going to be blasted off the face of the earth. And then all of a sudden, rockets start to knock down the incoming jets. The jets are coming in from the north. And all the jets are destroyed and Israel is saved. And then an old prophet appears. He says, this is happening as a great sign to the world. It is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. That's believed today by the vast majority of Christians in North America. They believe the prophecies that talk about Israel are being fulfilled today. Of course, these earnest people believe that the return of the Jews is probably the most significant sign in the history of Christianity. The Bible talks about Israel going back to the promised land and they say, well, we can see Israel has gone back to the promised land and therefore the next great event must be the rapture. In fact, some people even predicted the rapture would take place in 
1988. Then they changed the dates a little bit because they tied it in with the return of the Jews to Palestine. Then they will take texts from the Bible that certainly seem to indicate such an idea. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to a, a prophecy that talks about Israel in the last days. And it's Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. It is a small book after the book of Daniel, at least in that vicinity. Daniel, Hosea, Joel. And then you come over to the book of, of Amos and it's chapter 9. And here it talks about the return of Israel, and the restoration of Israel in the last days. The reason so many people believe that the jets being shot down, not by any human hand, was a fulfillment of prophecy, was because of another prophecy that I'll only allude to today, and that's the prophecy of Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38 talks about an invading force coming from the north and attacking Israel and this invading force being destroyed. And so it is believed that all eyes ought to be on Israel because what happens to Israel is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. I want you to notice this prophecy, a restoration prophecy, Amos chapter 9. The Bible says in that day, I will restore David's fallen tent. I will repair its broken places restore its ruins and build it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who will do these things. Then if you come down to verse 14, I will bring back my exiled people Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. And verse 15, I will plant Israel in their own land never again to be uprooted from the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. So it does seem plain, apparently, that the return of Israel to Palestine is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. This idea is so strong, it has influenced all of Christendom and even somewhat influences the, the way the United States government does business in the world because evangelicals have had over the years, particularly in the days of the great president Ronald Reagan, a tremendous influence in the White House. And so they believe that in doing what they're doing, they're helping to fulfill the prophecies of the Word of God. It is also believed that after the rapture, when the saints of God are taken home to glory, that the Antichrist who is already in the world is going to become a tremendous force and he's going to rule the world for seven years. And in the midst of the seven years, in the midst of the final week of the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, in the 70th week of Daniel chapter 9, the Antichrist is going to bring an end to the sacrifices that are offered in the temple. So it is believed that the Jewish temple is going to be rebuilt. In fact, it could happen anytime soon, even though it may bring about a world war. There are very, very wealthy people in this world who have already got all the furniture together. It's already in place to be built 
at the place which is called the Dome of the Rock. And they believe that this is going to happen because the Word of God says it is going to happen. And so today, all eyes are on Israel. What is going to happen between the Palestinians and the Jewish people? Are these the groanings of the last days that will bring in the kingdom of God? Today, I want you to notice this text on the blackboard, which is taken out of the book of Galatians. And these words, of course, are the words of one of the greatest Jewish scholars that the world has ever seen. Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to refer to this as we go along, but this is going to be the theme of our talk today, that the Bible says it doesn't matter what your nationality is, the thing that counts are you in Christ Jesus. I want to say before I talk about the Jews and the news and Israel and Bible prophecy, that bigotry and intolerance are utterly opposed to the religion of the Bible. Now I know it is said that Christians have persecuted. I would respond by saying that people who've called themselves Christians have persecuted. But the religion of Jesus has never persecuted a single soul. The Jews indeed have been persecuted. All of you, I guess, have seen Schindler's List, that great movie produced, directed by Steven Spielberg. What an horrendous story it is. And I'm sure most of you have seen the movie that came out years ago entitled The Holocaust. Did you know today that there are some people who even are doubting the historicity of the Holocaust? But you can't doubt it, my friend. The Holocaust took place and millions of Jews, as well as other minorities, were put to death by the Nazis during the Second World War. Nobody can doubt the Holocaust. Intolerance is a sin against God and against humanity. On one occasion, our Lord Jesus Christ had been turned away by a group of people, the Samaritans. They didn't want him to come into their cities. And so the disciples said, because they were rather hard-headed, they said, Lord, will we call down fire from heaven and destroy these people? Jesus said, you don't know what spirit is in you. He said, I didn't come to destroy people's lives. I came to save people's lives. Every person who professes the name of God ought to be the most tolerant person as far as the beliefs of other people are concerned. I think it's a little sad that Steven Spielberg, who put out this movie, Schindler's List, which tells what happens when people become bigoted and intolerant and do not allow other people to have their own religious beliefs, has just come out and attacked the Boy Scouts. Now the Boy Scouts are, a, are really a, a wonderful group. They're about as American today as, as apple pie. 
But the Boy Scouts have got a problem. The Boy Scouts stand for something. And if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And the Boy Scouts, you may not like what they believe. The problem is the Bible seems to back them up. The Boy Scouts say that homosexuality is wrong. And they say you can't be a leader in the Boy Scouts and be a homosexual. And therefore some of the biggest companies in the United States of America led by people like Steven Spielberg who is so opposed to bigotry have come out now and they're persecuting the Boy Scouts. They would like to see them closed down. I want to say to you today it's very easy to be tolerant with people who agree with you. But that's not tolerance. That's not tolerance. And the religion of the Bible never persecuted a single soul. And Christians ought to be the last people in the world who persecute Jews. Bless your heart. Our Lord was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. The Blessed Virgin Mary, a Jewess. The greatest Christian scholar who wrote the most profound books on grace and love, St. Paul, was a Jew. All of the apostles, with the possible exception of the writer, Luke, they were all Jews. Christians should defend the Jews and do all they can to protect the Jews because Christians ought to defend the rights of minorities, even the Boy Scouts. I want you to notice a great truth today as we talk about Israel and Bible prophecy because we've looked at some very strong prophecies that apparently talk about Israel in the last days. And this is the first great fundamental truth I want to give you today. In the Bible, all of God's promises and all of his threats are conditional. I want you to think about this. When God makes a promise to anybody, it is not an unconditional promise. All of God's promises and all of God's threats are conditional. They're conditional upon our obedience to the word of God. I want you to notice a text on this, please. Would you come in your Bibles over here to the book of Ezekiel 33 and verses 13 to 15, Ezekiel 33 and verse 13 and onwards. And notice this very important principle that refers to all of the Bible prophecies. And I'm glad to see you here today with your Bibles. Ezekiel 33 and verse 13 and onwards. If I tell the righteous man that he will surely live. You think of this. God says to the righteous man, you're going to surely live. Can't you believe that if God says that to you? God says to the righteous man, 
you will surely live. That is a clear prophecy. As clear as saying Israel are going to go back to the promised land. If I tell the righteous man that he will surely live, but then he trusts in his righteousness and does evil, none of the righteous things he has done will be remembered. He will die for the evil he has done. And if I say to the wicked man, you will surely die. But if he then turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if he gives back what he took in pledge for a loan, returns what he has stolen, follows the decrees that give life and does no evil, he will surely live, he will not die. Bless your heart. The Bible says... If you read a promise in the Bible and God says, I'm going to give you everlasting life. Well, God says, that's a promise. That's a prophecy. But he says, if you turn away and break my word, you will die in your sin. And then he says, I say to a wicked man, you're going to die in your sin. That's a plain word from God. You're going to die in your sin. The Bible says if the wicked man turns away from his sin and repents, he will not die, he's going to live. Therefore, listen to this, all of God's promises and threats are conditional. You know the story of Jonah? <laughs> God said to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against it. And God put his word in Jonah's mouth. It was an embarrassing word because Jonah goes to Nineveh and if there was anybody who hated those people, those Assyrians, it was the Jew because they persecuted the Jews. So he goes to Assyria and he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You can read it in the book of Jonah. Then after he delivers the word, he goes outside the city and sits down underneath a tree and he waits for the fire to come down from heaven. And the fire doesn't come down from heaven. And he says to the Lord, what's wrong, Lord? And the Lord says, they repented. Jonah says, but I told them your word, they were going to perish. God says, they repented. Jonah did not preach a message that said, if you do not repent in 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. He never said that. But the condition, although it was absent, was implied. Every promise, every threat is based on conditional. Now listen very carefully to this. When God made prophecies, and promises and threats to the people of Israel, they were conditional. And the return of Israel to the promised land and the rebuilding of the temple of God and the destruction of the invading force from the north, all of these promises were conditional upon Israel's acceptance of the Messiah and following the word of God. Never forget it 
The promises of God are conditional, every one of them. Now, I'm going to tell you a truth which is hard to say, but it needs to be said. Listen to it. Listen, please. When the Jewish nation, we're not talking about individuals. Has God cast away his people? No. When the Jewish nation nailed the Son of God to a cross, passed him over into the hands of the Romans, when they gave up the Son of God to a death of shame, when they rejected Jesus as the Messiah, when they rejected the teachings of the apostles for another three and a half years, they ceased to be the chosen people. And the prophecies were no longer applicable to them. The kingdom of God was taken from Israel. I want to prove it to you. Come over here to Matthew 21 and verse 33 to 43. Matthew 21. And here Jesus is giving a parable. Jesus has been talking to the leaders of the Jews. And uh, Jesus is on his way to the cross. And they have rejected his ministry. They've turned against him. Now Jesus tells this story. Listen to it. Listen to another parable, said the Lord. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent out the servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Who was the son? Who were the tenants? The Jews. What was the vineyard? Israel. Land of Israel, Jerusalem. Who were the people who came and who were beaten and knocked down and many of them flogged and killed? Who were they? They were the prophets. And lastly, he sent his own son and they cast him out of the vineyard. And the Bible says, so they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Verse 40, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard, say it with me, to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone? The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now look at verse 43, he says, therefore, therefore I tell you, 
that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruits. Jesus, our Lord, said that the kingdom of God would be taken from the Israel of the flesh, the chosen people, and given to a nation that would produce its fruits. What could be plainer? The kingdom will be taken from you. And a little while later in Matthew 23, towards the end, Jesus said, how oft I would have gathered your children together, even as a, as a bird, as a hen, gathers its chicks under her wings, but you would not. Then he said the powerful, poignant words, your house is left unto you desolate. That is the temple. Your house is left unto you desolate because where the spirit of Christ is absent, the temple is desolate. You can build a million temples on the Dome of the Rock, but if the Spirit of Christ is not there, it is desolate. And as he made his way to the cross on his last journey, after his confrontation with the Jewish leaders, he did everything that a God could do to save them. He saw there a fig tree, had plenty of leaves on it. When Jesus went and looked at the tree, pretentious in its foliage, he saw there was no fruit. And Jesus cursed it and said, may you never bear fruit again. And it withered up and died. And the kingdom of God was taken from the Israel of the flesh and given to another nation. Are we talking about individuals? We are talking about a nation led by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Therefore, the prophecies of the Old Testament, the talk about Israel, are now fulfilled to another nation. I wonder, my friend, today, is it possible for us to discover what nation that is the nation of God today? Is it America? Is it Great Britain? There are people who still survive today, though less a number, who are called British Israelites. They believe that the British people and all those who are closely associated with them make up the new kingdom of God and they have taken the place of the Jews. The Bible does say the kingdom will be taken from you from the Jews and given to a nation that will bear its fruits. I want you to notice how this was predicted way back in the Old Testament. Would you come with me to Daniel chapter 9? Daniel chapter 9, and I believe it is verse 24. Daniel 9, and I believe it is verse, yes it is, it is verse 24. Daniel said, 77s, 490 years, are decreed for your people, they were the Jewish people, and your holy city, that was Jerusalem, to finish transgression, 
to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. God gave to the Jewish nation back in the days of Daniel 490 years to get right with God. And that time period we know for a certainty from archaeology commenced with the decree of Artaxerxes long Germanus in the year 457. And if you add the 490 years through, it brings you through until 34 AD. And that time period of 70 years, as you will know, is made up of 69 years. And the last seven years, 483 years and seven years. And the last seven years is a vital part of the whole 70 years. And the Bible says that in the midst of that last week in 31 AD, he would bring an end to the sacrifices and the sin offerings and on the cross. In 31 AD, he brought an end to the Jewish sacrificial system. But these verses tell us there is a limit to the patience of God. Seventy-sevens are determined upon your people 490 years. Listen carefully to what I'm going to say. God has appointed a time for every nation and every person. As he looks down upon this world, the God of heaven, my friend, appoints a time for nations and for men and women. As the hymn writer said, there's a line that is crossed by rejecting the Lord where the call of the Spirit is lost. As you travel around along with the pleasure-mad throng, have you counted, have you counted the cost? You say, is it possible for a person, a man or a woman to go too far? The answer is yes, yes. Is it possible for a nation to go too far? The answer is yes. Yes. Thank God that the Bible also says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. But there's a line that is crossed. After Jesus was crucified through the influence of the Jewish priests in 31 AD, God gave to that nation another three and a half years and then you come to the stoning of Stephen and the 490 years were finished and the kingdom of God was taken from the Israel of the flesh and given to another nation this truth I'm going to tell you now will solve many problems if people would only study the scriptures Prophecies concerning the triumph of Israel. All of these prophecies about destroying the Antichrist in the last days and all of these things. All of these prophecies concerning the triumph of Israel and their restoration to the promised land are now fulfilled in another nation. And that nation is the church. The church that is made up of people from every different country. You say to me, so far the evidence is strong. But can you show me in the scriptures 
an Old Testament prophecy that is fulfilled in the church? Yes, indeed. Let me show you one. Would you come back here to the book of Amos chapter 9? And I'm glad to have a group of people here today who bring their Bibles and who love the word. Amos chapter 9 and verses 11 and 12. Because Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amos chapter 9 and verse 11 and 12. In that day, I will restore David's fallen tent. I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be, so that they may possess the remnant of Eden and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. Apparently, when, my dear friends, when you read these verses, it is talking about literal Israel and the rebuilding of the temple and the restoration of the Jews to the promised land. Listen carefully to a little theology. There is only one reliable interpreter of Old Testament prophets. The apostles of the New Testament as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Not some television evangelist. Not some preacher who finds a text like this in the Old Testament and then says, look, let me show you this is a sign of the rapture. No, no, no. But somebody who is inspired by God. So here is a prophecy that talks about the rebuilding of the temple, the restoration of the Jews to the promised land, all of those things. How is it fulfilled? Come to the book of Acts, please. Acts chapter 15, my dear friends. Come with me to Acts chapter 15. And verses 12 and onwards. And this talks about the fulfillment of the prophecies. Acts chapter 15 and verse 12 and onwards. And you will be amazed and comforted by these words. Look at these words. Acts 15 verse 12 and onwards. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. Acts chapter 15 is a marvelous report. The apostles get together and they talk about how the gospel is going to the whole wide world and how God is reaching out to include the Gentiles. And many of the people in the church back there said, we don't like it. Because even Gentiles now are accepting the word of God. We don't like it. And so, one of the apostles, led by the Spirit of God, quotes the text. Read on with me. Verse 13, when they finished, James spoke up, brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. This is talking about the conversion of sinners to the kingdom of God. Verse 15, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the remnant of men may seek the Lord 
and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things. The Bible tells us, my friend, it is plain. The Bible tells us as plain as the nose on your face that the rebuilding of the kingdom of God and the rebuilding of the temple and the overthrow of the heathen, as far as Israel is concerned, is fulfilled in the rebuilding, in the building of a spiritual temple of men and women, boys and girls who've given their lives to Christ. And so the Bible teaches that the temple is going to be rebuilt. God is doing it today around the world. And the Gentiles are being made captives to Israel. How? Through the preaching of the gospel as people come to a knowledge of the Savior. What about the prophecies about the Antichrist? Yes, it's plain. We don't have time to go into it today, but in the prophecies of Daniel, the Antichrist comes down like a wolf upon the fold against the church in the last days. Not against a place over in Palestine, not at all. And the Bible makes it ever, ever so plain. And you can read this, we won't do it today, but in the prophecies of Daniel, it talks about the great invading king of the north. That's what he's called in Daniel 11. He sets the, his, his fortress against the holy city. Where is the holy city? It is the church. And the Bible says he comes to his end and no one helps him. At that time shall Michael stand up the great prince that stands for the children of your people. That's God's people. God's children. Israel in Bible prophecy is not the Israel of the Jews. It is the Israel of the church. And the prophecies of the Old Testament that talk about the restoration of Israel to the promised land are being fulfilled for every person who believes in the name of Jesus. Did you know Paul said something very, very significant about this? I want you to come with me to the book of Romans, please. I want you to notice this text. I want you to come with me to the book of Romans, chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. Romans, chapter 9, and verses 6 to 8. Romans, chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. So plain. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. The Bible says it is over here. It is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is, it is the children of the promise. What is the promise? That God would send a Messiah. 
that God would send a Messiah and the Messiah would die for our sins. It is not nationality that counts. It is your relationship to the Messiah. It's the only thing that counts. Come over here to Romans chapter 2 and verse 29. Romans chapter 2 and verse 29. Isn't it plain? Romans chapter 2 and verse 29. The great Jewish theologian and evangelist says, A man is not a Jew if he is only one inwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. So the Bible says, would you like to know who a Jew is today? He's a person whose heart has been changed by the grace of God. He's a child of God. Come over here to the book of Galatians, my dear friends. Come over here to the book of Galatians. This is good news for Jews and Gentiles. Come over here to the book of Galatians. And I want you to notice verse 26 and onwards. Galatians 3, verse 26 and onwards. Galatians 3, 26 and onwards. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, say it, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What is the promise? promise that God is going to have a people, that God is going to have a redeemed people, that those people are going to inherit the earth. That's the promise. And the Bible says, if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed. Who were Abraham's Seed, the Jews. But the Bible says the kingdom was taken from the Israel of the flesh and given to the Israel of the spirit. It is not the natural children who are God's children. It is the children of the promise. All the promises of the prophecies do not apply one whit to Palestine or to the Jews of the flesh, but the Jews of the spirit. So people say, the return of the Jews to Palestine, is it a sign? No. It's not a sign? No. The Bible says that Israel would go back in repentance when they accepted the Messiah. God has a great restoration that is going on, did you know? God is calling people from every kindred, tongue, and nation. He's calling them out of Russia and Ethiopia and China and Latin America and from literal Jews. 
many of whom now call themselves Jews for Jesus. We have some here today. I have my friend Blake, whom I baptized in this church how long ago? Four years ago. It's longer. Six. Was it six will do? Would you, would you accept seven? <laughs> Are you glad, Blake, that you're a Christian? I am. Now, he was born a son of Israel according to the flesh. But that doesn't count one bit for salvation. Now he's a child of God because he accepted Jesus. And God has got his Israel in every nation. And here is Cindy. How long have you been a believer, Cindy? Oh, boy. Uh, I grew up in the church. Yeah. But, uh, I came to one of your meetings back in 94 and heard you. When did you give your life to Jesus? Probably when I was about uh, 13 at church camp. That's seven or eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Cindy is an Anglo. But she's now a Jew, a spiritual Jew, you see? Antoine, how long have you been a believer in the Messiah? I came to Christ at the age of five. Goodness. And Christ came into your life? Yes, right. Here is a man, I guess his ancestry goes back to where? Africa. 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 Where's your ancestry? Holland. Holland? Oh, I thought you were the same as me. <laughs> Jewish. Art Rojas, we do not have a better member in our church. Amen. Art, where do you come from originally? Don't say Glendale, but where do you come from? <laughs> My native land is the Philippines. Yes, the Philippines. God has a restoration movement going on, you see? Out of every kindred, nation, and tongue. Amen. And then we have a vast movement today among the... Argentina. Not just Argentina. <laughs> You're representing Latinos. Yes. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> Amen. And a more wonderful elder in our church you wouldn't find anywhere. How long have you been a true believer in the Messiah since you have given your life to Christ and got under the blood? I had been the beautiful experience 22 years ago when somebody went to my house and gave mm. me the wonderful news. Jesus Christ died yes. for me. Amen. Yes. I love that. Folks, look here. This is the new Israel. This is the new Israel. So, what about all these promises of the Old Testament? What do they do for us? All these promises. I was reading them last night where God says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. That doesn't refer to Palestine. 
that refers to the church, the Israel of God. Then I read on in the prophecies of Isaiah where it says, no more sin, no more death, but I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing in her people, a joy. They're never going to die, never going to get old. They're going to build houses and inhabit them. God has got a new temple today. Do you know what it is? It's a temple made up of stones. And those stones are people who believe in Jesus. And so Peter says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you weren't the people of God, now you are the people of God. So all of these superlative, amazing, wonderful prophecies apply to the people who believe in Jesus. So, you must choose whether you're going to be carried along in the flood of sensational theology and have your eyes on Israel and be looking for a rapture that is a fantasy, or whether you're going to have your eyes on Jesus the Messiah and have your eyes on the ingathering of the true Jews through the preaching of the everlasting gospel. Therefore, I would think today that the best thing that every person can do, including me, is to do what Blake did. When he came to this church, I think you were largely agnostic, weren't you? Agnostic, unbelieving, atheist, an atheist. The best thing that Blake ever did was to give his life to Jesus. Amen. And when he gave his life to Jesus, he became a child of God, an heir according to the promise. For the first time in his life, he was a true descendant of Abraham, as all of us are here today. I'm going to invite you now to kneel down. Our Father, as we look today at history and see the failure of Israel and the flesh, we're mindful of our own weaknesses because we are no better in ourselves. We're all born Pharisees. We're all stubborn. We're all proud to a greater or lesser degree. We all like our darling sins. But oh God, today come into our hearts and change these hearts of ours. Take away the stony hearts out of our flesh and give us hearts of flesh. We think of the words of the author of Hebrews who said a new covenant I will make in those days with the house of Israel. Not according to the covenant that I made with them when I took, took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant. 
For this is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel. I will put my laws in their minds and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Dear Father, today, as we accept again Jesus the Messiah, write your law in our hearts. Take away these stony old, bitter, cantankerous hearts that we got from Adam and give us soft, pliable, loving hearts. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you thanks. In the words of John Wesley, we acknowledge that you are the Lord. We pray this with the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen and amen and amen.